0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long podcast. I'm your host, Neil. Man, what a game that was! Uh, that was fun. That was incredible um, for Oregon fans who traveled down to the game. I'm sure you are feeling happy and satisfied with your decision. Um, I have had a great weekend in Salt Lake City. It's been absolutely incredible the the scenery is incredible the stadium's incredible fun game to cover um great post-game conferences and and interviews and stuff with players and coaches they're all happy and the Ducks get their uh their biggest win of the season so um 35-6 win over Utah number 13 Utah we're gonna break uh break down all of that go through some of my biggest takeaways the game take a quick look at our elsewhere in the Pac-12 just because some uh um, and elsewhere in, in college football, because there was a one notable upset for that will impact the Ducks going forward a little bit. So, um, just a heads up. Sorry for my audio quality. I did not bring my podcast microphone down with me to Salt Lake City, so I'm just doing it on AirPods. So I'm sure the quality is not as good as it always is. But uh, we're getting this content out to you. It's currently Saturday night um, as I record this. So um, let's uh, let's break down this game. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Like I said, thirty-five to six win for the Ducks. Um, just just off the top, before we get into specifics, this was uh, this is the Oregon team. That I think a lot of us have been waiting to see. Uh, we've seen bits and pieces of this throughout the year so far. Um, you've seen this defense be really good, um, but you know they, they landing has said it all year. They they've struggled to play a complete game. You know, we've seen this type of performance for three quarters before. And then they they let up a late touchdown or two, and kind of the score looks a little bit um, less lopsided than it really was. But they they held up the entire game. And, yes, Utah's offense is not, you know, it's not one of the best offenses in the nation for sure, but Oregon's defense still was just dominant. And that's, you know, Oregon's offense also was was really, really good. I mean, thirty-five points. Yeah, it's not not the the average point total for Oregon. I think they put up it's I think forty-seven per game. But when you consider they're doing this against Utah's defense, which I think is the eleventh uh, best defense in the nation, fourteenth best defense in the nation, um, it's just incredible that they were able to move the ball, put up points, um, go five for five in the red zone. You know, convert third down conversions at fifty percent. Uh, Bo Nix had a stellar day. Uh, Bucky Irving played really well. Treshawn Holden, Tez Johnson, the list goes on. Um, But just in general, I I think it's, it's super impressive, this win, to come on the road in an incredibly, incredibly tough environment. I mean, I don't think that most fans understand how rare it is for Utah to not only lose at home, but lose in this way at home. Coming to this game, Utah had won their last 18 straight games at home, and they'd won 29 of their last 30 games in Rice-Eccles Stadium. And for Oregon to come in and win by 29 points in this game, I mean, it, it all honestly was a little bit of a boring game. I mean, this game was out of hand by the end of the first quarter, the middle of the second quarter. Um, And it was just kind of Oregon holding on for the past, the last two quarters of the game and just building their lead. But this game was never really in doubt after the first few drives. It just became clear that Utah could not stop Oregon's offense and Oregon's defense was just doing whatever they wanted um, against Utah's offense. So um, it's a great win for the Ducks. It's undoubtedly Dan Lanning's biggest win as a head coach at Oregon. You could say, I mean, I mean, Last year against UCLA, that's big, but that was also at home. Last year against Utah, big, but that was also at home. Coming to this game, Oregon had lost their last six road games against ranked teams. I mean, the last time they beat a ranked opponent on the road was against Ohio State back in 2021. So that kind of shows you that they've been uh, struggling a little bit uh, up to this point to kind of get over that hump. And they finally did against Utah, and they did it in emphatic fashion. So... Um, those are just some general thoughts off the top, just about how big this win really was. Um, let's talk a little bit more about specifics. I really want to just talk about Bo Nix. Uh, once again, I mean, you, we say I feel like we say it every single week now, but Bo is just—he's incredible. He's—he's he's one of the best quarterbacks that Oregon has ever seen, and he's undoubtedly one of, if not the best quarterback in the nation for this year. I mean, he went. 24 for 31 for 248 yards and two touchdowns in the air today. He added one more rushing touchdown on the ground. Uh, at one point in the game, he was 14 for 15 for 142 yards and two touchdowns. That was in the second quarter. And the only incompletion came on a drop from Troy Franklin that should have been just a walk-in touchdown, 45 yard touchdown that Franklin just dropped like uncharacteristically. So um, there's, there's, a real chance there's a real universe where Nick started this game 15 for 15 for 180 yards and three touchdowns. Like it's, it's just unreal how uh, efficient he was playing early in this game. And I mean, throughout the game, it's not like he, he ended poorly at all, but um, he's just, he's operating on a, a different level right now and not something that we've seen in Eugene for a long time um and it's it's just it's hard for him to get much better than he is right now but if you ask him he would not say that at all we (laughs) it was funny the post game press conference with him people were talking about in rightfully so people are talking about heisman they're saying hey you're playing at a level right now where you should be considered for the heisman you should be considered one of the favorites." And time and time again, he deflects and talks about his teammates and talks about how his his team is playing at a Heisman level. And it's not just him, which is great. You love to hear it. But he also said that you know he's got so much more room to improve. He said that he doesn't think this is one of ne- necessarily one of his best games. Um, he still feels like there's a lot out there. But you know, it's it's not about what he's doing. He's just happy to get the win. He just kind of says all of the right things over and over and over again. Uh, looking at the Heisman board right now, coming into this game, Knicks was, um, as far as betting odds, uh, Knicks was behind Michael Penix Jr., J.J. McCarthy, and uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU. Um, I think all three of those guys had pretty good performances. We'll talk about Penix again in a, in a little bit. we we'll talk about the Pac-12, but I don't. I don't see how Nix doesn't move up that board a little bit. And after seeing what he did against an elite Utah defense on the road in a tough environment, he's just, he's just so solid, man. I mean, I I went through it because, you know, some of those other quarterbacks, uh, Pinnocks, especially J.J. McCarthy too, um, they've had down weeks. They've had off weeks where they're not putting up their normal stats. Bo Nix has not had a game this year where he's thrown for less than 245 yards and two touchdowns. That's been his baseline. He's had that every week of the year, um, if not more, and sometimes a lot more. So, um, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's it's becoming clear that he is one of, if not the best quarterback in the nation this year. And now he's got a signature win under his belt, and there's going to be several opportunities for more signature wins. I mean, the, the schedule does not stop here. You got USC, which, you know, that's not an incredible game coming up. Um, that's in two weeks. You got Oregon State after that. You probably got a rematch with Washington. Um, maybe, I, I think it'll be Washington. We'll see in the Pac-12 championship. But, you know, there's there's going to be more opportunities for Heisman moments for Bo. And at this point, I think you got to feel confident that he's – going to take advantage of those because he's shown us nothing but that ability so far we talk about Oregon's offense a lot but honestly I think it was their defense that was better today and that's not to say anything about the offense because I mean putting up 35 points on on Utah's defense and doing it in the way that they did was really impressive but I was just I was blown away with Oregon's defense and just the physicality that they bring um, to the table this year is just super, super impressive. And it's not anything we've seen in a long time in Eugene. Um, to go the whole game without allowing a touchdown for Utah is just – I mean, that's that's hard to do. I mean, it's – we've seen Oregon do that a few times this year through three-quarters – and then at the end of the game, it you know, they they slip up a little bit with some backups, and this was a game where a lot of backups got in the game, which I don't think anyone would have predicted coming into this matchup, but um, they stayed true and they played all four quarters, all 60 minutes, and they looked really impressive doing it. The Ducks held Utah to just 241 total yards, just ninety-nine total rushing yards, which is that's the most impressive number because Utah's a, a solid running team. Um, but they, they really did a good job of stopping the run. Um, they held them to 33% on third down conversions. They had two sacks on the day, two interceptions on the day. Um, it was just, you know, all around just a really, really impressive performance. And I think what was most impressive is that the I just left this game being super encouraged by the secondary and uh, mostly the physicality of the secondary. Um, between Julio Florence, who led the team in tackles with nine today, Evan Williams had seven tackles, Kyrie Jackson had five tackles. It's just this team, they the secondary flies around in a manner that we have not seen in a long time, and they're physical, and they make tackles in a manner that we've not seen in a long time. Um, they've got corners coming on blitzes. They've got, um, you know, it, they can give up. Passes They can give up completions, but there's always a defender right there, right there to take him down. There's very few yards after the catch against this defense. So um, I found that incredibly fun to watch. And I think that's a great development for the Ducks too, especially when you have guys up in the middle, up in the the front seven, like Brandon Dorlis, like Jordan Birch, like Jeffrey Bossa, like Justin Jacobs, who had another good game today um it's just it's becoming clear at this point in the season that there are really really good players littered throughout this defense um and i was just i was really impressed with the secondary today because against a super physical run heavy team like utah you don't expect three defensive backs to be your leading tacklers but that's what they did on saturday i want to talk a little bit about um improved execution for the ducks i know i've um, I'm not alone in my criticism of Oregon and their their play calling over the past couple of weeks and their their red zone execution, their third fourth down execution, all of that was incredibly on point today. Um, they they really performed super well um, in spots when they had you know down a distance and they were really good in the red zone. Uh, Oregon had they were five for ten on third downs in the game. So 50% that's solid, but what's more impressive is that three of those five conversions went for 19 yards and one of those five conversions went for 20 yards. So in these positions where they needed, you know, four, five, six, seven, uh, sometimes more yardage just for the first down, they were getting 19 yards. They were getting 20 yards. They were really moving the ball and getting chunk plays and that just getting those consistently that builds so much momentum for your team. Um, More importantly, I think once they got into the red zone, they were perfect today. Uh, We've talked about red zone efficiency a lot over the past couple of weeks because the Ducks have been struggling with their play calling, with their execution. Once they get into the red zone, they went five times today and they scored five touchdowns. No field goals, just, you know, great play calling, great execution. Bo Nix ran in the red zone, which is something, I obviously, I've been talking about for the past week, something I really wanted to see. He didn't have a great rushing day. I think he – let me check the stat sheet real quick – he ran the ball four times for eight yards and one touchdown. I mean, that's not a, a Banner Bo Nix rushing day, but he was using his legs a little bit when he needed to, and he did it in the red zone and got one of the touchdowns. So um, just really impressed with the play calling, the ingenuity, the creativity, and just the the execution from this Oregon uh, offense once they got into third down situations and into the red zone because that's something they need to improve at, and they looked much better. All right, let's talk about elsewhere in the Pac-12 real quick. Um, this this wasn't like a great slate of games coming in, but I think it actually turned, into, uh, turned out to be a pretty entertaining weekend. Um, one of, oh, well, let's start outside of the Pac-12. We'll start with just college football as a whole. Uh, Oklahoma, who was the number six team in the nation, they lost. They got upset by Kansas. Um, I forget what the stat was. This was the first time Kansas beat Oklahoma since, like, 19— I want to say it was 97. Um, you know, since the 90s, I believe it was. So it's just been over 20, 25 years that they've— uh, this Oklahoma team has been beating Kansas. They finally upset them today. Um, really good for Kansas. But this is, this is really big for Oregon, and in general, it's big for the Pac-12 because you look—I know it's early— um, But you look at the college football playoff projections and those first college football playoff rankings will come out on Tuesday night, on Halloween night. Um, You look at those projections and, you know, there's only four spots to give. There's five Power Five conferences. Um, You usually say that, you know, four of the Power Five conference champions will get in. Sometimes the SEC gets two in. Sometimes the Big Ten gets two in. Um, it's just, you know, you're you're starting to count spots. And uh, the Big 12, whether it was going to be Oklahoma or Texas, was likely going to grab one of those spots. And Oklahoma was, was leading the way because they were undefeated. They beat Texas in the Red River rivalry. Uh, now they've fallen off, and so that kind of clears up one of the spots. It felt like the winner of the Pac-12 championship game likely was going to have a road to one of those spots. I think that became a lot clearer on Saturday because now you've got, you know, whether it's Oregon or Washington, I feel like the winner of the Pac-12 title game should feel pretty confident that they can get into the playoff because of the resume, because of how strong the conference has been this year. Um, it's just this kind of cleared the way for, for a Pac-12 team to get in. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, uh, do we want to talk about Washington or USC? Let's start with let's start with USC. That one went earlier. That was the earlier game between the two. Um, USC might be really bad. I I think that they might be really, really just not a good team. They beat Cal on Saturday, 50 to 49. They gave up 49 points to Cal, who is a decent offensive team, but not a team that should be scoring 49 points in any week. Um, I mean, USC was down for a lot of this game. They they had outscored Cal twenty one to thirteen in the fourth quarter, even win by one. So um, I don't know. It's at this point we've got enough sample size to know that USC is not anywhere near um, a Pac twelve title team. Not absolutely not even close to a college football playoff team. I think that in the end, it's I guess good for Oregon that they won, just because it creates a little bit more hype for that game on November eleventh in Eugene. Um, I don't know, man. This is. There's The USC is a really tough schedule going forward. Um, let me pull this up real quick here. Going forward, USC hosts Washington next week. They travel to Oregon the week after that, and then they host UCLA to, to finish things out. So those are three very losable games. Uh, I mean, right now, USC is 7-2. and two. There's a real chance they can end up 7-5 and five to end it. Uh, maybe 8-4, and four, but I don't see them winning more than one of those games i mean i don't see them beating washington i don't see them beating oregon i guess they could be ucla but the way they look today i don't see that happening either so uh, it's just been interesting to continue to watch the downfall of usc i don't think many people predicted that coming into this year but uh it's it's certainly notable let's talk about washington real quick um for a second straight week i washington just looked terrible I mean, they, they ended up beating Stanford on the road. Um, Stanford, yes, the last-place team in our Pac-12 power rankings. They beat them 42-33 on the road, and this was another game where they could have very, very easily lost. And this comes a week after they barely beat Arizona State, the number 11 team in our Pac-12 power rankings, 15-7 uh, to 7 at home, and, and almost lost that game as well. And they won this game not really – I mean – they won it, yes, but not really on their own accord. Um, Stanford was down, what was it, 35-33 to 33 with a couple of minutes left. They had a fourth and one from their own territory. They went for it. They called a, a beautiful wide receiver pass trick play. Uh, had the completion wide open, and the wide receiver just dropped it. Um, just hit him in both hands and, and fell to the turf, and the game was pretty much over. Washington scored from there to, to put it away, but... Um, just just in general, a uh, really confusing couple of weeks for Washington because they looked like one of the best teams in the nation during that Oregon game. And they've looked like anything since, um, anything but since. It was a, a solid game for Penix, actually, a, a really good stat line game. He had 369 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. So he's still going to stay on top of the Heisman race, I would assume. Um, but I. I think that I'm I'm positive that I know who the best team in the Pac-12 is, and it's not Washington. I think that anybody who isn't a Washington fan can say the same thing, too. I think that we've seen enough over the past couple of weeks to think that, you know, even even because Washington beat Oregon heads, uh, head-to-head, you know, Oregon barely, barely lost that game. And if they converted one of those fourth downs – then this is a completely different conversation, but uh, that was just a, another very interesting outcome. At the moment, as I record this, Oregon State and Arizona are in the middle of the game. Let me check that scroll quick. Oh, Arizona's up 10 to 7, actually. So I think that'll be a really good game. We'll see. Uh, you know, Oregon State, if they win that game, they could potentially move up into the PAC 12 um, power rankings and and be at number two ahead of Washington. It depends on how they finish this game, but um, we'll keep tabs on that tonight. Obviously, as you, once you hear this, you'll already know the outcome of that game, but um, that's elsewhere in the PAC 12. There weren't really any other notable games. Let me check to make sure I'm not missing anything. No, that's pretty much it. So, all right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, I will be back. I fly home tomorrow afternoon. Um, I've got a couple of guests lined up uh, for this week. How about you? I think the episode on Wednesday is going to be really good. It actually, might come out Thursday now that I think about it. I'm having Joey Harrington on once again on Tuesday. We'll record. Uh, we'll break down this win against Utah and kind of Oregon season so far. Um, last time we talked to Joey was after the Texas Tech game, so. A lot has happened between then and now, and then the um, the first initial college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night. So we'll have a lot to discuss once that happens. So I'll plan to. I've got one more interview on Wednesday. I'll save that one. Um, that one's going to be a special one. I think It'll be a pretty cool one. So that will record on Wednesday. I believe the podcast will probably uh, release on Thursday morning. Will be the plan. Um, that's when you can expect to hear me next. Thank you for listening and following along. You can check out more of my work. You can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys later this week. Until then, take it easy.